I've been teaching on things that happen to me and uh, things that are happening. And I, I, we made it very personal because we are, I believe God is honing in on us as individuals so that we can assess the activities that's taking place within our personal lives, but also to understand things that are happening in this day and hour and to be able to interpret those things rightly. And that's what I trust is happening as a result of your receiving the word of the Lord, is that you're being positioned to rightly interpret the things that are in fact happening. And today's message, I'm, uh, the subtitle of this series for today is See, Seeing Facts Within the Context of Truth. Now, I'm, I'm going to, I hope this makes sense to you, but let me just say that again so you can hear the title because there's a lot contained within the title alone. It is seeing facts. Now, you know what facts are. This is information that we receive, information in, information out. And then, but to see those facts within the context of truth. And I'm, I, I want you to see what I'm talking about here because truth is not just facts alone, but truth has to do with the culmination of facts leading to an objective that is carried forth and completed. And when it's all said and done, we come to the place of truth. And I believe that that's what the gospel is all about. When the gospel is there to change our perspective so that we're not seeing things as we once saw them. You see, I like what Jesus Christ said concerning himself. If you continue in my word, if you continue in my word, he didn't say you would know facts. He said, if you continue in my word, then those facts that you have gained or gathered over a period of time will lead to an objective. He says, then you will know the truth. That's the outcome. You will know the truth. And it's not facts that will set you free. Because facts can, can bind you. You can be in bondage if all you have are facts. He said, but you will know the truth. And it is the truth which is taking those facts within the right context. It is the truth that will make you or set you free. I was reading something by, and I love the writings of Dr. E. Stanley Jones, as I've said many times to you that I've been just buying and, and, and just trying to absorb as much information as I can from Dr. E. Stanley Jones' writings. But he said something in one of his books as he was speaking, uh, and I think it's a book called Trans about a Living the Transformative Life a transformational life, a transformative life. He, he talks about, here's what he said. He said, my son, the world, this is, he's quoting somebody else. This is what one person said that began to see things this particular way. He says, my son, the world is dark with griefs and graves. So dark that man cry out against the heavens. I suppose there's nothing that makes Man and woman cry out against the heavens so much as the anguish that comes to the heart, unbidden and unseemingly unmerited. He said, nothing will cause that anguish, 
that comes to the heart and understand what we're saying, that when the heart is overcome, when we reach that point where we say, I don't know where to turn or which direction to go, the heart is full of anguish. He says, that's when things come that I would say, he says, unbidden, unexpected things, things that you didn't plan beforehand, but they happen. Things that happened to me, things that happened to me, things that just happened. I had no idea that this particular thing would happen, but nevertheless, it happened. He says, it is unbidden and then seemingly unmerited, unmerited. I don't deserve this. I don't deserve this. Why are all of these things happening to me. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been there? Let me tell you something. That's a part of living. That's a part of life, is that there are times within life that we reach that point where we are overwhelmed by things that happen. And we say that, Lord, if you love me, look like you would have stopped it. Look like you would you wouldn't have allowed that thing to happen. And you see what you're doing now? Then we begin to measure God's love based upon the happenings and the things that happen to us within life. If you really want to understand this from a biblical point of view, we begin to go back to the book of Ecclesiastes, and you know how the uh, writer of the Ecclesiastes began to say, vanity of vanity, and... and, and uh, in the message paraphrase, it says, smoke, smoke, all is smoke. And he is saying that vanity is vanity, all is vanity, says the preacher. And then as he was viewing things, here's his perspective. It was within the context of the things that were happening under the sun. All of the activities, I'm saying, if we observe life, we look around us and we see things happening within life. We reach to the point and say, well, life itself does not even make sense. That's why people get to the place of coming to the end of, of, of their reasoning, the end of their rationale, and they reach that place of hopelessness because life itself to them does not make any sense. And in this day and hour, we have many people who we mentioned many weeks ago, they check out of life. They check out. It's not just, I know physical suicide, but then there are many who uh, actually commit spiritual suicide, and they abandon God. They leave their families. They leave their homes. They walk away from uh, the source of life, that which God would provide for them, and God was, in fact, providing for them. They walk away from it because they said, if God was who he said he is, then he would do what I think he ought to do. Reasoning, rationale. In this day and hour, many people have left Christianity and have gone to all kinds of other religions 
And some have become religionless, less, where they have no faith in any source or any system, but they just kind of let it all go. Uh, the psalmist helped us to understand this in Psalm 16, 2, and out of the message paraphrase, it says, this is when he reached that point, and he had gone through much, but then he began to reason beyond himself and began to see things beyond himself. He says, I said to God, be my Lord. <laughs> oh, look at this. Be my Lord. Be my Lord. Stop there for a moment before we go further. Be Lord over the situation. You Lord over it. You Lord over the situation. I want, you see, I'm not going to lean to my own understanding any longer. I'm not going to try to figure things out any longer on my own. But be my Lord. Superintend over the affairs of my life. That's what we're talking about. We say, be my Lord. You Lord, make the decisions concerning me. He said, be my Lord. And then he says, without you, nothing makes sense. Without you, nothing makes any sense. In fact, again, life without God is senseless. Life, when you leave God out of the picture, then what do you expect life to be to you? But then you've taken the very source of life out of your life, the very the, the, the essence of life is removed when God is removed from one's life. Now, I begin to look at all of this and begin to look at life. There are two things that we must consider. One is content. Content. The content of our lives, you see. I, I, I would venture to say when I'm ministering to you, and I trust that this is what you are looking for when you come to church you don't just come to be entertained. You don't come to just hear what you want to hear. But I trust that you come to be ministered to. And we must not just weigh what we're receiving based upon how we feel, but how much content is contained within the message. How much content is contained within the message. Are you receiving something? Are you really being fed are you really being fed? Because understand, it has to be something that will challenge you, something that will, that will take you beyond the state to which you're currently standing or occupying. God is challenging your thoughts, life, and he's, he's, he's bringing you to a new place because you can't see better unless you know better. There are too many people just kind of spinning their wheels and they are stuck in the rut because they are relying upon what they think they had known or they consider themselves having known, but they're not growing in grace and in the knowledge of the Lord. And that's where a lot of people are. They say, well, I heard a message, so I'm going to live off of yesterday's manna. God is saying, no, I have some manna that I want to give you daily, the daily feeding. This is how you grow in grace, knowledge of the Lord, because you need, you, you need uh, grace for today, so that you'll have hope for tomorrow. So now, look at what he's saying here. We begin to look at content. Content has to do that which builds you up, that which edifies you, that which causes you 
to grow and, and to become that which God would have you to become. And a lot of people have gotten a place and say, well, well that's co that content, that's, that's something that's challenging my way of thinking. It's challenging my, you see, my perspective in life. I'm being challenged. by That's what you need. And, and, and don't go for what you like. Go for what you need. But then there's something else. We talk about content. There's something else. These words are very closely akin. The other is context. Context within the framework of truth, within the framework of truth. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free, you, you see. And, and understand, within the contract, within the context. Now, now, you have to understand, within what context? Within the context of eternity. From eternity's perspective, what is God doing within time? And, and that's, that's the thing that's hard for us to, we can't see that. That's why faith is so necessary, because within the context of eternity, within, you see, God is looking at the whole picture. He's looking at, he's contextualizing it. He's looking at the whole picture. Now, now, uh, now, within that, we have facts, information. But to contextualize the thing, this is what I, I, I begin to look at the word context or contextualization. It, it is the circumstances that form the setting for an event, you see, within the framework, within the setting of an event, statements or ideas in terms of which it can be fully understood and assessed in light of all things considered. Now, that's important there. It's in light of all things considered. Now, who has the ability to consider all things? I want, I want you to stand up because I, you, 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 you're, you're, you're really special. <laughs> If you can take into account all things, if you have taken into consideration all things that can be given consideration, you are a special breed. But there are some things that you had not considered. And, and, and that's what God is helping. See, God does. God takes, you talk about the knowledge of God, insight, foresight, foreknowledge. He has knowledge of all things. He knows the things that were, the things that are, and the things that shall be. And when he gives his word, he's speaking with, from that context. He's giving you a message from that context. So now we're talking about things fully understood and assessed where you have looked at those things and you have examined them carefully. And with that, so then this is the decision that you're going to make in light of all of the, not just the circumstance, not just what's happening within the moment, but all of the things that will occur in the future, that which brings, and understand, when you look at all of that, that that's the thing that will bring purpose and meaning to life. It's when all things are considered. And the only one that can do that is God. That's why we have to keep Him not just someone that we reference, but he has become our lives. How do we interpret the challenges we face in life? We have to always say, Lord, give me eyes to see what you see. I want to see what you see. I want to know, I want to know what you know about this particular, uh, particular situation. It's within the, con but, but here's what, I, I was just recently 
Uh, because I've wondered, I've been wondering, I know a lot of our young people, not only young people, a lot of people now are, are abandoning the faith and they're moving uh, in different directions. And uh, I was hearing uh, or, or listening to an interview last night, uh, on, it's on the internet, uh, by uh, Buster Rhymes. Buster Rhymes, have you heard that name, Buster Rhymes? I, and, and it was a very interesting conversation as I was uh, hearing this interview, and uh, I, I realized that many of the rappers are, uh, they had issue, father issues, and a, as many people have father issues, and, and in this particular interview, he began to talk about why he became a five percenter. He became, it's an organization, and I did some research on that as well, the five percenters, and, and many of the entertainers are have moved in that particular direction. And a whole lot of African Americans are now buying into it. As you listen to rap music and as you listen to some of the uh, people that are popular in our day, I mentioned last week about, I named some names last week, which I very seldom do, but I think you need to become aware of what you're really buying into. So, so, so with these five percenters, I began to look at what they were in fact saying. Eventually, he came to the place, uh, the five percenters believe you know, the certain thing about God within you, God within you, they believe that we are gods. We black people, 5%, are aware, they have this awareness of the fact that we as black people are gods. Can you imagine that now? We are gods, but only 5% know it. Only 5% are fully aware of it. 15% are aware, but 5% really know that they're gods. So therefore, these 5 percenters are the ones that are, uh, if you look at Masonic lodges, we are, they are the framers of, of, of culture and, and, and society and civilization. Now, now, there's a whole lot more involved. I'm not going to go, that's not the message today, but it just came to mind as I was ministering. So with that, this is what I began to look at. I, I said, if I felt beat down, beat up, kicked down and had gone through some of the stuff which our people have gone through, it would almost bring us to a place of wanting these things to be true. You see, so the desire, the thing that I'm understanding now, and this is what, without doing the research, without doing a full examination, is that much of what we believe is within the context of our desires and fears. It's within the, the context of one's desires or fears that will drive his passions in the direction to believe a particular thing to be true. He said, I will for this. I wish it were true. Therefore, I believe it to be true because I see an advantage in that thing being true to me. Do you see that? So, so it's the will to believe to be honest with you, that's faith. That's faith exercised in hopes or fears of a thing being true. Because I brought up faith as being hopes and fears because, understand, if there's something I'm afraid of, are you still with me now? If there's something I'm afraid of happening and, and, and I, I dread this particular thing happening, and this thing becomes my obsession whereby I spend the bulk of my time trying to avoid that particular thing from happening, understand the fear of that thing also becomes the context of my reality 
And I interpret life from that particular point of view. But understand what happens. So now, be honest, that's faith. That's faith. That's faith. Because now you are, you're functioning the way you function. Your functionality is based upon what you fear to happen, to happen or fear happening, or what you believe or what you would like to see happen. So now, I think a look at this. I said, uh, uh, so, so we look at emotions now, emotions, hopes and fears, hopes and fears. Now, the truth of God has to, it has to transcend above our hopes and fears before we came to know him. So, so uh, uh, I, I'd like to believe a particular thing, so I will, I, 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 this thing is true to me. I interpret life from the context of these particular things. But God is saying, I want you to interpret life from the perspective of my eternal purpose. He said, my eternal purpose. Here's what I want you to do. I, I, I'm not diminishing. I'm not going to diminish your hopes and fears. I'm going to raise them. I'm going to elevate them to a higher level. You see, what God does, it's not a matter of making less or giving us less than, but giving us more than we expect. I hope you can see this now. So when we look at things from eternity's perspective, God is saying within time, eventually, you see these things, it, it, they will come and go. But from eternity, we see a continuum. So, so, so I like what Jesus, we talk about interpreting life, from eternal, from eternal perspective. This is what Jesus Christ said in the 14th chapter of John, chapter uh, 14 and verse 6. Jesus said to him, he says, I am, I am, I love this, what he says, I am. This is complete. I am the way, I am what? The truth, and I am the life. No one, look at, we talk about eternal perspective now. No one can come to the origin. You see, no one can go to the source of life. No one can reach the epitome of life. When we say, Father, Peter, what are we saying? We're saying the, 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 the uncreated one the one from which all creation flows from. Everything that has been made was made because he is the father. Not only that, he is the father of illumination. So any illumination that comes to one's mind or psyche is subjected to the one who is pure light. So we talk about being enlightened or being awoke. There's no being woke that can, is superior to the spiritual awakening that comes when we see God as Father. He is the Father of lights. Father of lights. There's no light beyond. There's no illumination beyond Him where there's no variation or even shadow of turning. So now, understand, he says, I am the way. I am the way. Jesus Christ says, I am the way to the Father. 
I am the way to the Father so that your life can make sense, so that your life can be meaningful. You take Father out of the picture. We've mentioned people who have a, 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 a uh, I would say, challenge with their earthly fathers. But then I would say the greater challenge is with our heavenly Father. So you take Father out of the picture from whom all the family of heaven and earth were named. Father. He says, I am the way to the Father. But not only that, he didn't say, I am a source of information. Did he say that? I'm a source of information. I'm a reference point. <laughs> I'm someone that you can go to like you would go to the encyclopedia or go to Wikipedia, whatever, and, and, and begin to access a certain uh, amount of information. He says, no, I am the truth where all facts are contextualized. I am the truth. And then when you get the way and the truth, you come to the place of understanding life, and life becomes meaningful. And he says that no one can come to the source of life, the Father, except through Jesus Christ, the Son. So within the sum of all things, is Christ, Jesus Christ, is the sum of all things. And in that, joy and happiness are found there. We discover. It's discovered within the context of the whole. You see, now we find life. You didn't even know what life was about. You didn't even know what your life was all about. You didn't know what the meaning of life was all about. But when you see him as the way, the truth, and the life, the sum total of all things, you discover within that context of the whole true joy and true happiness. Anything less than that, fragments are confusing with partial details when partial details are presented. And that's why we have to teach you the whole counsel of God because when you get little fragments of truth, they might make sense to you based upon your perspective or based upon your position, based upon the place that you currently occupy. But the Lord is saying, I'm trying to take you beyond that place that you care. So you're saying, Lord, change my situation, change my circumstance. Lord said, no. He said, I'm going to change you. And when I change you, then you will see things differently, and then you can become a participant in the change that you're seeking after. But you can't be a part of it as long as you stay where you are. You're part of the problem. You can't be a part of the problem and a part of the solution problem at the same time. You have to get a new place. Perplexing questions are there because you cannot see and don't understand the things that God knows because you've not seen or understood them at this particular time. That's where faith comes in. Faith comes in. It's when I can accept God and Father as being Father, even though I don't fully understand all of the details or things that the variables that are there between. 
where I am and where He is. But He's leading us as we continue to have faith in Him. And, and I like what the Scripture says. It says, by faith. We talked about faith in the things that we fear or the things that we hope for. But by faith in God, faith in His Word, faith in what God has given us, He says, we understand. By faith, we understand. So the faith that we have in God as Father, as God as being the supreme one, the one that can govern our lives and bring us to the place of fullness or, 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 or hope. He says, we understand that not only this, that even all the worlds are framed and fashioned. You see, in other words, they're construct. Even though we see how worlds are destructed or, or, or de demolished by the, the, the challenge of the truth. But the thing is, the thing that can bring worlds together is the opposite, is the opposite of those things that cause worlds to fall apart. So understand, when you take the word out of the equation, then things fall apart. When you put the word back in, it is by the word of God that the worlds were framed by the word of God. That's why the enemy fights the word. He says, so now it's faith. It's based upon what God, you, you see, we understand word, the worlds were framed by the word of God. It's based upon what God has said and what God has already done. So we trust him to do what he wills to do and having the willingness to participate in the process, even before you understand. You say, Lord, now I, I got something I'm going to share with this, on this, if you just bear with me. I, uh, you, Lord, I don't fully understand, but I want to be a participant in what you're doing. I don't know. I, I'm going to help you with that in a minute. I don't fully understand what you're doing, but I don't want to wait till I understand before I participate. We have to say amen before we understand the assignment fully, before we fully understand your assignment. You say, Lord, I agree with you, even though I don't fully understand you. And then as we go about working with God and moving in the direction God has to move, God gives us understanding. Now, now here's what happens. I'm going to read a few scriptures here. Uh, uh, Jesus Christ was there. In, in Luke chapter 22, remember when, uh, in 41, Luke 22, 41, when Jesus Christ was uh, praying in the garden of Gethsemane, he said something. This is what he says. He, he was drawn from them about uh, a stone's throw. He knelt and prayed, saying, he says, Father, this is what he said, Father, if it is your will, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. If it is your will, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Now, this was a prayer concerning possibilities. 
he looked at the variables that could very well be in place. So it was a questioning, not a challenge to his will, but a questioning as to whether or not there were variables contained within doing his will. He said, what choices are left for me to make in relation to carrying out your will? But then, look what he says. If it possible, remove this cup away from me. But then he goes on to say, nevertheless, not by will in relation to choices or being challenged in relation to possibilities or variables, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. What are my options? Within those options, decisions and choices may be made. But when all is concluded, we reach that place of nevertheless. In other words, that's so be it. Amen. Now, that is not a resignation. Resignation means that I give up. In other words, I'm fighting. There is a battle. There's a civil war taking place within me whereby I'm wanting one thing and, 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 and he's wanting another. But no, it's a matter of surrender. It's surrendering to a higher purpose. It is saying, if this is what it takes in order to carry out your purpose, to, 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 to finish, to, to carry out your agenda, then by all means, I surrender the lesser to the greater. Not what I will in the moment, but willing to submit to his eternal purpose. It's what you desire from eternal perspective. When things happen that I do not understand, I must process the situation in my own mind. Because you're going to do that. You're going to process it. You're going to say, Lord, I don't understand why this thing happened the way it happened. I don't have a clue as to why things happening, are happening the way they're happening. But then the nevertheless, look at that word, nevertheless, notwithstanding. However, in spite of the facts, in spite of the facts, truth will still prevail. In spite, this is a fact. This thing happened. That's a fact. But that's not the truth. That situation occurred. That's, these were facts. But that's not the truth. Truth has to do with the outcome of facts. After it's all said and done, then you shall know the truth. And that truth is liberating because it sets you free from the bondage of facts. <laughs> the outcome, truth prevails over facts. 
And here's something else. Truth defies logic. It defies logic because your eye have not seen, neither have it heard. You see, what God is doing is beyond your logic. So don't, don't rely upon your rationale. It's not limited to what is visual. It's what you see. How you see, because faith takes us beyond what is seen. I see things, and, and, but then how shall they ultimately appear to be? We're controlled by things that we react to. You see, God wants you not to be a reactionary because if you're a reactionary, you're controlled by the things you react to. If a thing happens over here, you do that. If this happens, I'll do that. You know, you're under the domination and control of circumstances. That's being under the circumstances. <laughs> you're under the circumstances because now the circumstances are determining how your behavior, your behavior is being dictated to you by circumstances. But when you know the truth, you see, you transcends those particular things. And here's a lesson that God, and this is a message in itself, we learn the lesson of contentment. We learn the message of contentment. See, Paul began to say, I have learned in whatever state that I'm in to be content. He didn't say I start off there. He said, but so many facts are thrown at me. So many things began to happen to me that I, was ba I, I, I would be baffled by them all. He said, but look like every time these things happen, God always show up somewhere down the line. He doesn't show up when I, when, when I thought he would show up. But somewhere down the line, the Lord reveals himself in the midst of whatever I'm going through. I didn't know you'd be in that mess. I did, how did you get in there? Lord said, I was there with you. Even while you were going through your challenge and didn't know which way to turn or where to go, the Lord said, I was right there with you. He said, but what I wanted you to do, I wanted you to trust me when you didn't see me. Hmm. Oh, Lord, I wish we had time to go into this. Lesson of contentment. To be contented regardless. Paul began to speak of that in 2 Timothy, and I'm closing with this one for sure. 2 Timothy 1.8, he said, Therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony of the Lord, of our Lord, nor be his prisoner. He says, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us to a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. But now, you see, it, it was already there in eternity, but now has been revealed by the appearing of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who has abolished death, because death was a fear, and brought life and immortality to who, uh, to who, well, well, to light through the gospel. So now, life and immortality has been brought to light through the gospel. We mentioned the illumination. Now we see beyond death into eternal life. 
having an eternal perspective, takes us beyond that, to which I was appointed a preacher and apostle and a teacher to the Gentiles. For this reason, now, because I got this, because God has made these particular things known to me. You wonder why these things are happening the way they're happening? You wonder why people have such an issue? Because if this is what they're seeing, and this is what God is showing you, they're going to have a problem with you. He says, I also suffer these things. But then he brings up the same word that Jesus Christ brought up. Now, listen to what he says. He says, for this reason I suffer these things. Can you imagine if I'm speaking kingdom and you're speaking common? You see the difference? If you're speaking common and I'm speaking kingdom, we're speaking two different languages. And my communication is not reaching you because we are not on the same page. See, if you're looking common, I just want things, this is life to me. This is how I actually define life to be. But you're speaking kingdom and I'm speaking common. So your language does not make sense. And watch what happens here. So since your life, your, your words does not make sense to me, I must be in an environment that's sensible to me. So people look for that which would be more in line or in vogue with where they are. So now, it wasn't just a matter of, 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 of separation, but he says, but I suffer from the hands of those that do not see what I see or understand what I understand. I suffer these things. I suffer these things. And, and, and here's what Paul and all of the disciples, even Jesus Christ, pray for those who bring about persecution. He said, Lord, please don't hold it to their charge because out of their ignorance, they don't know what they're doing. He says, but nevertheless, in spite of, in light of the situation being as it is, he said, I'm still not ashamed. You will not shame me out of what I have come to understand and know. I'm not going to back off. I don't care how many people are going in a different direction. I'm going to stand solid and firm with what I have come to know as a result of walking with God and receiving insight and revelation from Him. He says, well, I know whom, I didn't know all the details, but I know this, I know in whom I believed. <laughs> I know that God is God. I know that there are no options. I know that I can't rely upon any other source. I must rely upon him. I know in whom I believed. But listen to what he said. Oh, y'all just a minute. I know in whom I believe. That's taking it all the way to the person. I believe in the person. And the reason that it's a constant is because I am persuaded. <laughs> You see, I know in whom? I know that the source of life is going to cause my life to come out in a, in a better way 
I will come to a place of victory. And the reason that is supported regardless of the circumstances that's working against me, he said, because I'm persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed under him against that day of trial, that day of the challenge, that day when I face my biggest problem. I would say the obstacle is so great that it appears as if there's no way for me to attain victory. But I know him enough to know that God would not leave me without hope. He would not leave me here. And he's not abandoned me regardless of what I'm going through. I'm committed. That which I've committed because I committed my all. You see, we mentioned I've taken my life and I've placed it within his hands. I said, Lord, this is how life is defined by me. You are my life. <laughs> You're my light. And you are my salvation. So, Lord, you're able to keep it. Keep my life. Ain't nothing the devil can do to me. Oh, he shot his best shot. Because even if he take my physical life, my life is more than a smoke. My life is more than a vapor. He cannot destroy the life that he has given me. And he preserves for all eternity. So, Father, we thank you that you're taking us beyond and putting things in right, within the right context, within the context of truth, giving us perspective this year of transformation that we are being changed so that Christ can be seen in us and his work can be done through us. So, Lord, we in this thing, even as in marriage you said for better or for worse, that's what we're saying. Even if, as was said earlier, even in the best of times and even during the worst of times, we're not going to lose our faith and hope in you. But we're going to trust you with our very lives. And we believe that the tests that come are there not to destroy us, but to prove us that our faith in Christ is real. So we give you praise, and we give you the honor, and we give you the glory for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen, amen.